0: Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its
1: staff, and management. Is your organization a talent magnet? Is your culture the envy of the business market? Top organizations need top leaders make sure that you are that leader. This show will ensure that you are. Welcome to I Lead the Leadership Connection with Dr. Linda Sharkey. Leaders today are more than just results. They are about creating legacies of great people, driving winning organizations, and raising the bar for themselves and that of their teams. Now, here is your host,
2: Dr. Linda Sharkey. Welcome. I'm Linda Sharkey, host of I Lead the Leadership Connection, and I'm Delighted to have you back with us this week. A very interesting show this week. I usually have people on that I uh, either know personally or have been introduced or have seen speak. Not the case this week. But the case this week is why I got attracted to uh, my guest this week is I was reading uh, some of the works that he's done and looking over some of the books that he's written and was really excited and impressed uh, by the research that he's done. I have with me today Bruce Tulgan, and he has written many books on youth in the workplace and has done 20 years of research uh, on the millennials and the uh, Generation X and Generation uh, Y and now Z um, and I think he's got a very important message to share with us as 45% of the eligible workforce by years 2017 is are going to be millennials. There's over 2 billion people in the world by 2020 who will be 20 years or younger. So a huge number of people that there's a lot of myths about. And I think that Bruce has done a great deal to debunk some of these myths. Bruce is a best-selling author, written many, many books. You can look him up on his website. Uh, I think it's Rainmaker, right, Bruce?
3: It's Rainmaker Thinking, and uh, thank you so much for for having me on your show. Yeah, it's RainmakerThinking.com if people are looking around on the Internet. Yeah, and, that,
2: and please do look around. It's very impressive, and that's how I fell upon him and was just very excited when he agreed to be on the show. So, Bruce, thank you for, for joining me today. Let me start by asking you, how did you get into, you know, this, this studying the various different generations and talent today? What, what was it that drove you to make that your kind of um, – Spot in the in the business world and literature.
3: Well, you know, twenty five years ago, I was uh, uh, an unhappy lawyer working at, at a New York law firm, and I was young.
2: Right there, that'll make you unhappy. A New it's York law firm, that, you know, right there. I'm with you.
3: I'm working at number two Wall Street, and uh, sometimes yeah. people say, "What kind of lawyer were you?" And I say, "I, I was the kind of lawyer." That, uh, you know, if you're a 25-year-old kid, you run around and do what the grown-ups tell you. Uh, Right. (laughs) That's the kind of law I practice. And, um, you know, uh, it became clear to me very quickly that there was a generation gap in the workplace. Now, this was back in the early 90s, right? So, the young people in the workplace back then uh, were people of my generation, Generation X, uh, those born, you know, between 1965 and 1977. And um, uh, uh, so I started being very curious about this, uh, and I started doing research. uh, What I started interviewing young people, and my original idea was to write an article called What Your Young Employees Are Whispering About Over Lunch. Uh, I love that. uh, You know, and and, and whenever I mention that to the grown-ups, you know, they sort of look very curious. So I had a feeling I was on to something, and um, you know I did a whole bunch of interviews. My first batch of interviews, uh, it was too long for an article. That turned into my first book, Managing Generation X, and that book came out in uh, 1995. And um, it just it hit a nerve. It, it was the right thing at the right time, uh, and people started calling me. Uh, and we've been making it up uh, as we go along ever since.
2: And so you haven't practiced law since that day, I bet you.
3: Well, I was a lawyer for 428 days, to be precise. Wow, interesting. A little over a <laughs> year. Technically, technically, I'm still a member of the bar in a couple of states. Uh, uh, and, and um, but, but I haven't practiced law uh, since I left the law firm and my first book came out, and... Um, uh, you know, what I, I learned very quickly was that the secret to my success was that doing in-depth interviews. And yeah. so the core of our work uh, since ever since then has been in-depth interviews. And uh, now more than 300,000 people have participated in our interviews. Tens and tens of thousands of them have been going on for decades uh, because you know, uh, or or over 15 years at least, um, because one of the things that makes our research a little bit different is uh, we do longitudinal interviews, so we stay in touch with people. We keep interviewing people as long as they're willing to stay in touch with us.
2: So I think your point is well taken. Suffice it to say you're not going to be a nominee for the Supreme Court?
3: Uh, As a lawyer, golly. um, uh, (laughs) I think that rendering legal advice, might be per se malpractice on my part. I'm so out of practice, you know. <laughs> but, you know, I think your point
2: is well taken. I mean, you learn the art of interviewing and and understanding and, and teasing things out of people, and I think that really played well into this next career choice that you really made. That's that. So, it wasn't a totally wasted event. So, what did you find out in this, you know, you said that your studies are longitudinal. So, how have things changed over that time for people? Do you yeah, see mean, them morphing into different perspectives as they get people. older?
3: Uh, we've been tracking young people in the workplace ever since. So, uh, you know, it's 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 been a work in progress. It's an ongoing uh, study. And, uh, of course, now the people uh, whom we were interviewing uh, back then are no longer young. You know, <laughs> so right. I'm almost right. 50 now, right? Uh so right. what ends up happening of course is as uh as the research has gone on, uh, uh, we began focusing on Generation X. We moved on to the first wave millennials, um and then uh we we were managing uh excuse me, you know, we, we started looking at the second wave millennials and so the youngest people in the workplace today uh, you know, if you're born in 1999, uh, you know, you're 17. If you're born in 2000, you're 16. You need a note from your parents, of course. Uh, but, uh, you know, we're looking at the youngest people in the workplace today. Um, and we've tried to keep our finger on the pulse of young people, uh, even as, uh, you know, so now it's a, it, we're sort of looking at the emerging post-Boomer workforce. By 2020... Yeah less than 20% of the workforce will be made up of baby boomers. So, uh, right. you, know, the, you know, the the Generation Xers who are the young upstarts um, are, are becoming the older, more experienced people in the workplace. And, you know, along the way, what we've been looking at is this great generational shift in the workforce. We've been tracking that now for 23 years.
2: So this is what I wanted to ask you. Uh, you know, so you... So you've been studying people since that first book and managing Gen X 1995. And you've gone back to those folks, I'm taking for what you said, to see where they stand now. Have you seen a change in their attitude over time?
3: Well, uh, of course. Look, you know, when you look at young people in the workplace, uh, you're seeing one part life stage. You know, some of it is just about being young. Uh And then the other part you're seeing are real generational differences that come from the accidents of history right um and so of course, what happens over time is uh people grow up, and the question is do they settle down i mean look we're interviewing gen xers do they now do they or, settle down well what what most gen Xers tell us is you know um I have uh, adult responsibilities. I got a family. Right. I got, you know, now kids in college, right. I, you know, uh, right. so yeah, I'm seeking security, but it, it turns right. out that, uh, paying your dues, climbing the ladder of, uh, doing things the old fashioned way, hoping for an organization to take care of you in the long term, you know, that's no longer the way to seek security that, you know, That people of all ages are thinking like free agents now, uh, not because they're disloyal, not because they're young and immature, not because they have short attention spans. People of all ages are thinking more like free agents now because it's not just about the needs of a bunch of young upstarts and it's not just about being young. It's about profound changes in the economy and in the nature of employment.
2: Well, that's what I was just going to say to you. Let's face it. The laws have changed considerably so that somebody doesn't have to sit there and say, oh, my God, first of all, there are no more defined pension plans. So it's not like somebody's, oh, if I don't put my 30 years in, um, you know, even GE doesn't have a defined pension plan anymore. Uh, You know, you can transport your IRAs with you. There's, uh, you know, you can transport some health insurance issues. And that's going to be so. So that's helped a lot with people not feeling they have to be uh, tethered to one company, I, I think, don't you?
3: Yeah, I mean, look, I think it's just the reality of today is that the the default presumptions of success are no longer that you are likely to have a long-term career in one organization. And um, so, uh, you know, when Gen Xers were young, it seemed like the free agent mindset was some newfangled idea that young people were thinking up as at the beginning of the dot-com era. But it turns out it was about much larger things. It was about globalization and technology, yeah. about institutional yeah. insecurity, the changing yeah. information environment, diversity. You know, and so what we've been living through um, over the last twenty-three years. You know, there is this great generational shift in the workforce. But it's not just a shift in numbers; it's a shift in norms and values. And a right. lot of that is being driven by a transformation in the very nature of employment.
2: Right. And it's, and it's only going to get, I mean, we're at a, a totally different wave now in this sharing economy and, and uh, just seeing where that, that goes. So I've read a lot of studies and I've had other people on, on this topic. Uh, and many people, including the PricewaterhouseCoopers study, which is a pretty su- aggressive one, says that there's not really that much difference between entry-level millennials and entry-level everybody else. And even as you say, as people get more mature, their needs and wants shift and change. Did you find that, too, or are your findings somewhat different?
3: Yeah, I mean, look, I think if you look at data collection, I mean, we've been doing this research for 23 years. Lots of right. folks are, are parachuting in and doing studies. And if you ask um, multiple choice questions, uh, you'll, you'll have a harder time. Seeing the differences in attitudes and the differences in expectations. And of course, it's also the case that, um, you know, young people are sort of like the canaries in the coal mine, you know, because they're at the bleeding edge of change. They've never known it any other way. They don't even know things are changing, they're just telling you what's up, right? And so uh, older, more experienced people, of course, are thinking more and more like the young people. You know, uh, one of the things that's different about generational difference today um, is, you know, it, it's usually it's the case the young people will grow up and settle down. But every so often right. in history, we reach an inflection point where things right. are changing so much that instead of the young people growing up and becoming more like the older people, What happens is the older people start getting more and more like the younger people. And this is one of those times, right? So I often say to older, more experienced people, hey, 10 years ago, did you have a handheld supercomputer in your pocket? You know, five years ago, were you texting? Three years ago, did you check at the end of each day and see how many steps you took? Right. You know, and, and I'll say to older, more experienced people, you know, having you change the way you think about your your career and your relationship with your employer. Aren't you thinking more and more like a free agent? So uh, I think we're at one of those inflection points in history where the older, more expensive people are getting more and more younger people.
2: We've come up on break, and this is our inflection point, and that's a great point. We're going to continue to talk about inflection points. I think that's just a great... um, Observation that you have. So stay with us. We're talking to Bruce Tulgin. He is author of Not Everybody Gets a Trophy How to Manage the Millennials, among other very great books for which he has won many awards. Um, so stay with us. We're talking about the millennials and the respective generations in the workplace.
4: always talking business talk to an expert call now toll free 866-472-5790 that's 866-472-5790 voice america business network
1: dr linda sharkey promotes fact-based solutions for global organizations and leaders that are known to drive business success do you want to put the wow in your talent practices How about a spring in your leadership approaches? Coaching and leadership development are proven methods that, if done right, really do make good leaders great. If you want a no-nonsense, practical approach that will enable you to compete anywhere in the world with measurable results, contact Linda today. Visit lindasharkey.com. Again, that's
5: lindasharkey.com.
1: tuned in to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. To speak to Dr. Linda Sharkey or her guest, please call in to one 472 5790 That's one 472 5790 Or you can tweet the show at hashtag I Lead TLC. We'd also love to hear from you by email. The email address is radio at lindasharkey.com. Now, Back to I Lead the Leadership Connection.
2: Welcome back. I'm Linda Sharkey, and I have with me today Bruce Tolgren, an award uh, Tolkien, an award-winning, best-selling author of numerous books. I would suggest you look him up um, under Rainmaking Thinking Inc. Um, lots of books that I think anybody in today's workplace ought to have in their arsenal. So, Bruce, we're talking about you know the inflection points this time around, that people, older people are adapting more to uh, some of the things that younger people are now taking for granted, like texting. I mean, most of the people in my community text today. Everybody's got a Fitbit. You know, um, people have had smartphones, like, forever. Um, What are some of the other inflection points?
3: Well, I mean, look, uh, what's happening now, I'm focused on the workplace, right? Right. So people no longer take for granted uh that if they pay their dues and climb the ladder, the system's going to take care of them in the long run. I think that's the biggest thing that's changed. Um, and so when older, more experienced people look at the younger, less experienced people in the workplace, and they think, oh, they're disloyal, they have short attention spans, they don't want to work as hard, they demand immediate gratification, uh, they want everything their own way and they want it right now. What they don't realize is that that much of what's going on here is that the old model of you make lots of short-term sacrifices because you trust the system to take care of you, Uh, that you don't make demands of your boss because you know over time the system's going to take care of you. That has really broken down. And, you know, it's just that older, more experienced people, they have more cards in their hand. Uh, They have... You know, they they, they've reached a a higher level. So on the younger people, it it looks more distasteful. You know, it rubs older, more experienced people the wrong way. But much of what's going on is just, hey, they're in sync with the reality of employment relationships now.
2: Yeah, and you know what's so interesting? I mean, when you talk to boomers, you talk to any generation. Nobody liked having to uh, go along with the system. There were a lot of things that people wanted to buck against. But you're right. It was the old model of, you know, if I, if I do it, if I work hard, I'll get my way up the ladder. But I, unfortunately, I have to say that, you know, in my experience in the late 90s, early 2000s, Many of the younger generation, the millennials, experienced their parents being laid off. We were having layoffs like crazy in major mass uh, companies around the United States, anyway. And they saw that and they experienced that, you know, and people who had been loyal, who had made the sacrifices, and the companies just kind of letting them
3: go. Yeah, so the myth of job security is dead. And maybe the biggest difference between older, more experienced people and younger, less experienced people is for the older, more experienced people. This feels like a loss, a change, uh, you know, for the younger people, they've never known it any other way.
2: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So what what's the evidence? Well, first of all, what do you see as the most common myths about millennials? And and what's the evidence that you have that are debunking those myths? So. Give me the, the top five myths.
3: Yeah, I mean, well, uh, look, based on our research, the number one myth about today's young people uh, is that that they're disloyal. Uh, number two, they won't do the grunt work. Number three, they have short attention spans. Uh, number four, uh, that they uh, uh, want the top job on day one. Number five, that they want you to make work fun for them. Uh That's a big one, right? Uh, Those are the top five myths. And uh, what what our research shows, you know, and again, we've interviewed hundreds of thousands of people over the last 23 years. Uh, We we, we interview young people and we interview their managers, you know. And uh, uh, what we've learned is, no, most young people today, they don't want to be humored. They want to be taken seriously, uh and, and and no they they're not disloyal; they just don't have the kind of loyalty that you get in a kingdom you know where you pay your dues and follow yeah. right the passage and wait for the overlords right. to care for you you know that that right. and you don't say here.
2: yes, sir, and no, ma'am, right, and expect right. Uh, you, now, know, now and, look, and you know and walk
3: out maybe young people could do well to learn to say yes, sir, and no ma'am, uh and learn some of the old fashioned basics. But don't think that they're disloyal. Uh, you know, they, they, they'll do the grunt work. Uh, it's just they're not going to do the grunt work in exchange for vague promises about long-term rewards that may or may not best in the deep, distant future. Um, they, it, it's not that they have short attention spans or they want the top job on day one, but they want to know, how do you keep score around here and how do I score points around here?
2: Yep. Yep. Very, very interesting because, it, you know, I, I used to run internship programs for the government, New York State government, and, uh, you know, a lot of major companies that I worked for. And every entry level internship person in their mid twenties who came into those programs, first of all, thought all the senior executives were idiots and thought that they wanted that job and should have that job in the next three to five years. So I don't think that's unique to this particular generation, if you think back on it.
3: Yeah, I mean, look, um, so some people are always ahead of their time, you know, and some of these things are just about being young. Uh, But look, there's just no doubt that Generation Xers uh, were the great unsupervised generation, that our parents tended to be more permissive, uh, and Generation Xers, those uh, you know, had less supervision. Now, is that true for every single one? Of course not. But it's certainly true that parenting, teaching, and counseling has changed, uh, and right. that the first wave millennials, those who grew up in the 90s, and the second wave millennials who grew up in the 2000s, you know, they've been raised by helicopter parents on steroids. Right. Uh, that is a generational change. Children today have much yep. more structure, boundaries, guidance, direction, support, supervision, coaching. Uh, nobody leaves kids alone for a minute. That is a generational right. change and it has an effect on attitude and behavior. Uh, uh, you know, Gen Xers, you know, we didn't grow up learning how to think, learn, and communicate with supercomputers. Yes, uh, older, more experienced people are now have handheld supercomputers in their pockets. But young people today learn how to think, learn, and communicate with those devices. That is a generational change, and it has a big, formative impact on attitude and behavior. Uh, but, yeah, you know, so i just—I got to just share this one so point with you.
2: you. I had a, somebody on last week, uh, Srini uh, Kolchek, who is the CTO of um, Magellan Healthcare, and very steeped in the technology. And it's so interesting that he was talking about, it. he said his kids, even he can see within three to four years difference between his kids, how much smarter the younger generation is because of everything that they have access to and that they can find out about just in this supercomputer that's in their pocket and they know how, how to get after it. So I think that's a factor as well.
3: Yeah, I mean you're absolutely right. That you know, most older, more experienced people remember those remember those conversations that ended with I don't know. All remember the time. You know, you'd have a conversation and yep. people would go, I don't know. And then, you know right. maybe the next day somebody would go check or maybe in the conversation you know, everyone would be going, I don't know, and then there would be some blowhard who'd say, I don't know, and everyone would think you don't know. You know, <laughs> but the young people right. today, they've never had that conversation. They get to that point, I don't know, and somebody goes, and they Google you know, it. Right, here's the answer. Now, so right, this, exactly. this changes how you think about a learning curve. Uh, it changes how you think about learning. It changes how you approach the world. Now, the flip side of this is, what a lot of hiring managers tell us in our interviews uh, is that uh, young people are not in the habit of puzzling through a problem, and so uh, they don't That's have the same kind of critical thinking and problem-solving skills uh, because uh, the information environment is such that they're not accustomed to puzzling through a problem. Again, this is a generational change
2: you know it, it it's a, it's interesting though so so i think that this is changing how we teach children though because they have so much information at their fingertips and they can get the answer right away what's happening though is this whole notion of building creativity into teaching and in schools where kids have got to puzzle through different levels and different qualities of projects. There's a school called Singularity out in, it's out in California someplace, I believe. And what they do is they don't have the same standard teachers. They have mentors for groups of kids trying to solve sort of larger purpose and societal questions at very early ages. So I think this is going to change how we teach and how we teach adults, frankly.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's certainly changing the learning environment. Um, And uh, I think that uh, smart uh, educators are definitely uh, adapting. Oh, look, we do a lot of work with the military. You see the military has been adapting to this systematically because uh, they employ so many young people, and, of course, lives are on the line. Yeah,
2: Yeah. very interesting. I've got to tell you, we're coming up on break in just a couple of uh, seconds, but I had this guy on who wrote uh, $20, $2 billion and, uh, under 20, and he had stories that he crowdsourced from all around the world of what some of these, I will say, kids were doing. And the projects that some of these kids had uh, And we're working on, I mean, early charity groups, early entrepreneurs, um, getting together with others all over the world in ways that we never did uh, before. So I don't know that I think that they're not problem solvers. I really don't. So stay with us. We're talking to Bruce uh, Tolkien. Uh, extensive author on the generations in the workplace and I want to talk to you a little bit about fast feedback uh, when we get back, Bruce but stay with us, we're talking to Bruce Tolgren, best-selling author author of Not Everybody Gets a Trophy How to Manage the Millennials and we're going to talk a little bit about your advice on managing millennials when we come back
4: talk in business talk to an expert call now toll free 866-472-5790 that's 866-472-5790 voice america business network
1: dr linda sharkey promotes fact-based solutions for global organizations and leaders that are known to drive business success do you want to put the wow in your talent practices How about a spring in your leadership approaches? Coaching and leadership development are proven methods that, if done right, really do make good leaders great. If you want a no-nonsense, practical approach that will enable you to compete anywhere in the world with measurable results, contact Linda today. Visit lindasharkey.com. Again, that's lindasharkey.com. tuned in to I Lead the Leadership Connection. To speak to Dr. Linda Sharkey or her guest, please call in to one eight six six four seven two five seven nine zero. 472 5790 That's one eight six six four seven two five seven nine zero. 472 5790 Or you can tweet the show at hashtag iLeadTLC. We'd also love to hear from you by email. The email address is radio at lindasharkey.com. Now, Back
2: to I Lead, the leadership connection. Welcome back. I'm Linda Sharkey, your host, and I'm talking today with Bruce Tulgin. Uh, having a great conversation around the generations in the workplace and how things have changed. And, of course, we are at a turn of the century, and that usually is, if history has been a guider uh, from the past, it's going to be a guider of the future. It usually is when significant change has happened. When we were on break, uh, we were talking about, actually, our producer said, you know while kids may have a youth today or anybody today uh, has so much transparent information on the from the internet, what happens when they get wrong information? because, of course the internet is also filled with wrong information and biased information. Bruce, what's your point of view on that?
3: Yeah, I mean, look, there's two things. One is um, there there's you can find an infinite number of answers to any question instantly um and and if you 're not good at vetting information um and looking at uh competing resources and figuring out uh what 's the right answer uh that's certainly one limitation um uh, although the internet is getting better and better um at at uh pointing people in the right direction but look more to the point is what, what a lot of older more experienced people say is young people they they can often find the right answer. It's just they don't have the experience, the context, the wisdom yeah. to understand right. the answer. They, they can find the right answer. They just don't understand. Right. It. And and, and you well, know, I think that's that's a more kind of um, uh, significant issue day to day.
2: You know, and I think you make a very very important point in that you have to combine the intelligence, the experience the longitudinal nature of someone's maturity. And wisdom is something that you just cannot get when you're 16. You have only have a certain kind of wisdom that you're not going to have. It's going to be very different for everybody by the time they're 30 and they've collected different contexts and different experiences. So I think wisdom is a very important aspect here to take into consideration. So
3: got a point of view on that? Yeah, I mean, look, you can't accelerate the learning curve on experience, context, and wisdom. And um, often when we're looking at organizations, you know, one of the big things that's happening right now is there's an age bubble on one end of the workforce, and there's a youth bubble on the other end. And uh just as employers are struggling with the rising global youth tide, uh and the whole new attitudes and, and expectations and behaviors coming to work, uh on the older end of the spectrum there's this loss of, of uh skill, knowledge, wisdom, institutional memory, relationships, and the last vestiges is the old fashioned work ethic. Uh, you know, what are we gonna do when the grown ups leave? Uh and uh, one of the things we're working on is, you know, a lot of organizations look at um, knowledge transfer. One of the things we're working on is wisdom transfer, because yeah. so often it's it's the implicit knowledge, it's the tacit knowledge, it's the wisdom that is so hard to to transfer.
2: Yeah, that is such a great point. I, I absolutely love that. So tell me about, you know, what are the, oh, I just wanted to add this to you. You know, I noticed I did a lot of executive development at the very senior levels of uh, GE and and uh, same with HP, but there was an age factor. Somebody might be 33, 33, 34. We put them in too big a leadership job. They didn't excel. Because they didn't have that context and that wisdom. And it seemed to kind of coalesce around 40, I would have to say. Now, that's not scientific. It's not based. It's just based on anecdotal experiences that I had. But, uh, you know, I think that that's an important factor that you're talking about. So what are some of the handy action steps for tuning into millennials and their unique Mindsets. Could you share that with the I mean, audience?
3: Well, look, what, 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 um, I think the worst advice out there is, you know, humor them. Don't humor them. Take them seriously. Yeah. Uh, I think, yeah. uh, you know, it's really bad advice to practice false empowerment. Uh, we call that pretending things are up to people when they're not. We call that false empowerment. You know, uh, hey, take a crack at it. Or how do you think it should be done? you know uh, so be very clear with young people uh today about what's up to them and what's not up to them where where do they have some creative freedom or discretion in how they do things um, what what young people don't want weak leaders they want strong leaders and they want to know uh how do you keep score around here how do you sc- how do we score points Uh, uh, and get more of what we need and want. I think a big myth about young people today is that they want everything on a silver platter. They do want to negotiate, and they do want to know, how do I earn what I need and want? But they don't want it on a silver platter. They don't expect it on a silver platter. What they want to know is, Hey, make the quid pro quo explicit. What do I need to do to get that thing I want or at least level with me and tell me if I'm not going to be able to get it? You know, I think um, all of this talk about best friends at work, uh, we ask young people yeah. every day in our research, hey, do you want your boss to help you find a best friend at work? And they say, I, I don't. what are you talking about? You know, right. uh, have everybody work <laughs> in their area of passion and interest. Well, who's going to do all the work, right? So I think there's, there, there, there's a big gap in level-headed, realistic uh, tactics that real leaders in the real world uh, can use. I mean, where are young people? Of course, there's lots of young engineers and computer programmers and accountants and nurses and doctors and lawyers and uh, uh, and professionals, uh, all across the spectrum with, with in demand technical skills. But there's also a lot of young people, uh, who are working, in, you know, in retail settings and in restaurants, uh, who are okay, they're emptying bedpans in nursing homes. Young soldiers, uh, sailors, airmen, marines. There are a lot of young people in the workplace, um, today. And if you look at all the work that needs to get done uh, and what do young people really need from leaders and managers, what they want is guidance, direction, support, right. coaching, clear expectations, yep. candid feedback, help me earn yep. more of what I need and want. Um, and, you right. know, this, maybe we're coming full circle because, Look, people of all ages need that from their leaders nowadays. In today's Absolutely. highly uncertain world, people of all ages need that kind of hands-on leadership.
2: And you know, you you it, I love the fact that you said people of all ages because this is something that is different about leadership today than it was before. We all always wanted to learn and grow on the job. Nobody, most people did anyway. But today, you have to be a leader that can help develop people and give people clear direction, mentor them, point them in, in ensure that they're getting the skills that they need to go on to the next level. And, and, and that's a different kind of leadership. It really is. Do you, you, I, I think that's what you're talking about, whether you're dealing with the millennial, whether you're dealing with the boomer, whether you're dealing with that sort of muddle in the middle.
3: Yeah, I think, look, uh, in a highly uncertain world, people think short-term and transactional. In a highly uncertain world, people don't think as long-term. They don't think as hierarchical. uh, And in a short-term transactional environment, people need more guidance and direction. Uh, when things yeah. are always changing and everybody's getting squeezed, you know, and the workforce is becoming more and more diverse and, uh, everybody's different. What works with one person doesn't work with another person. In that environment, uh, it's, it's getting harder to lead and manage people, uh, and, and hands-off doesn't work. It's gotta be, uh, highly engaged, uh, leadership is, is what's called for in, in this high-pressure environment.
2: Yeah, I totally agree. So, Bruce, tell me something. Um, Why did you call, how to, you know, not everybody gets a trophy. I thought that was really, really interesting. Why why did you call your book that? Why did you give that its title?
3: Not everyone gets a trophy. Well, because, look, I think a big part of where young people are coming from today, you know, Parents, teachers, and counselors, uh, since the 90s anyway, um, have been trying to build up the self-esteem of our children. Uh, they've been practicing a lot of false empowerment. You know, we're all winners. Everyone gets a trophy. All styles are equally valid. You know, it's sort of, they, they're, they're creating the ultimate nonconformists in an era of nonconformism. And look, some conformity makes sense. Right. Uh, if you want to win, you have to score points. You know, right. telling kids, you know, oh, the last one in is, is is the rotten egg. No, we don't like to do that because it might hurt somebody's feelings. Well, you know, um, uh, your kind of baseball has five outs, right? All styles are equally right. valid. This is a little confusing when you get back to planet Earth. And what hiring managers tell us is the most frustrating thing to them about young people today uh, is because they've always gotten a trophy, because they've been catered to uh, by parents, teachers, and counselors. You know, everyone has an individual learning plan. Everyone gets to do a do-over. Uh, you know, we don't keep score. Uh, In a lot of the games, because we wouldn't want to hurt anyone's feelings. Well, uh, when people get back to the real world, it's a little confusing. So um, I think that uh, uh, many managers, when they have young people come to the workplace, uh, it's the first time uh, that, hey, we're paying you. You're not paying us, right? So you're not the customer here. We're the customer. And if you, you know... We're going to teach you how we do things around here. Not everyone gets a trophy. You want a trophy, you got to win. You want to win, you got to score points. You, you want to score points, you got right. to learn the rules of the game.
2: Yeah. You know, I do want to ask you, and we're, we're coming up to break, but so quickly. Uh, you know, there is a big trend right now into flat, flat organizations getting rid of managers or just having very few of them. What I hear you saying is that you know people need that leadership they need that guidance they need the clear guardrails of of you know here's how you here's how you get ahead here's how you win here what do you have to say about that shift that we are seeing in today's workplaces
3: well uh I never would tell a client they should organize their span of control based on um anything other than the needs and norms of the business. But it is true that spans of control are getting way too broad. Uh, Organizations now, they want to have self-managed teams. There's no such thing as a self-managed team. Give me five minutes with a self-managed team. I'll tell you who's in charge of that team. Oh, there's always a leader. That's exactly right. you You know, the only question is, is it the person who should be in charge or is it a ringleader who has seized control? Uh, so in a, in a leadership vacuum, clicks form, ringleaders emerge, there's conflict. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so, so I think that, you know, if you have spans of control that are too wide, uh, if you don't have leaders, uh, you, you leave a leadership vacuum. Uh, and then, uh, you know, best of luck. Uh, so I think that the ideal span of control is, you know, the Marine Fire Team, three Marines, right? Uh, is the and and one fire team leader? Uh, that's probably the perfect stand of control. But of course, you know many managers. Um, it, look, you can handle twelve direct reports if you engage every one of your direct reports in a regular, structured dialogue uh, where you're talking to them once or twice or three times a week in a structured way. Uh, uh, providing guidance, direction, support, spelling out expectations, identifying problems that are hiding below the radar. Um, You know, it's different for every manager. What a manager needs to figure out is how many people can you uh, provide that kind of highly engaged leadership for? Twelve, that's a lot. Sixteen, that's a lot. Uh, You know, I know lots of managers have 20, 30, 40, 50 people. Well, you can't manage 20, 30, 40 people in a, in a meaningful way.
2: Well, you can't give them the kind of guidance that we need. We're at break. Uh, stay with us. We're talking to Bruce Tolgan. Uh, Bruce, there's a question that came in from the uh, Internet um, on, on email for you. Uh, so I'd like you to we'll, – we'll be asking you that question when, when we come back on. Thanks for listening, everyone.
4: Talking business, talk to an expert. Call now toll free 866 472 5790. That's 866 472 5790. Voice America Business Network.
1: Dr. Linda Sharkey promotes fact based solutions for global organizations and leaders that are known to drive business success. Do you want to put the wow in your talent practices? How about a spring in your leadership approaches? Coaching and leadership development are proven methods that, if done right, really do make good leaders great. If you want a no-nonsense, practical approach that will enable you to compete anywhere in the world with measurable results, contact Linda today. Visit lindasharkey.com. Again, that's lindasharkey.com. are tuned in to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. To speak to Dr. Linda Sharkey or her guest, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or you can tweet the show at hashtag I Lead TLC. We'd also love to hear from you by email. The email address is radio at lindasharkey.com. Now, Back to
2: I Lead the Leadership Connection. I'm Linda Sharkey, your host of I Lead the Leadership Connection, and we're having a great conversation on generations in the workplace, and particularly on millennials, millennials, with Bruce Tulgan, really an expert in the generations in the in the workplace. And if you haven't gotten his books, I I highly recommend it. So somebody has uh, perused your book and emailed in uh, Bruce and wanted to know uh, what. Is parental management? What, can you explain it in a little bit more detail and uh, et cetera?
3: So, yes. Yeah, I, I have a chapter and Not Everyone Gets a Trophy called Practice in Loco Parentis Management. And I guess that's jumping off the cliche that the millennials are overparented, you know, that, that, that they've been raised by helicopter parents on steroids, as I like to say. And I say, you know, um, you've got to run with it. Uh, so in local parentis is, you know, uh, a Latin term that means in the place of the parent. And uh, what I tell managers is remember that millennials, they love grown ups. They've had more guidance, direction, support, and coaching from their parents, teachers, and counselors than anyone ever has. So what you need to do is give them structure and boundaries um, and, and help them keep score uh and negotiate special rewards and in small increments with them. Uh every step of the way you want to give them structure and boundaries and help them earn more of what they need and want. Uh by uh, you know, you don't want to work on Thursday, here's what I need from you by Wednesday at midnight. Uh that that's the kind of uh highly engaged uh guidance and, and making the quid pro quotes explicit. Uh, that that's what I'm talking about. Um, manage like a parent, like a teacher, like a coach.
2: Yeah, that's great. That that's that's absolutely great advice. So, Bruce, thank you so much uh, for being with us. If people want to get a hold of you, uh, say it again. How do they get a hold of you and um, you know get more information about you?
3: Well, of course, my publishers want me to say all the books are available on Amazon. Uh, But uh, they can always go to RainMakerThinking.com. There's lots of free stuff at RainMakerThinking.com. But you can always follow me on Twitter at Bruce Tulgan. That's probably the best way, uh, RainMakerThinking.com or on Twitter.
2: You know, actually, as I think about it, that's how I got a hold of you. I think I uh, got connected with you from from Twitter. And... um,
3: well, hooray! Well, thank the, the, you. I'm honored to be connected with you. Uh, it's an honor yeah. to be connected with you, and I've, I've taken a look at your your work also. And uh, if I had a radio show, I'd have you on my show.
2: <laughs> well, thank you, Bruce, so much for for joining me, and and uh, you know we'll we'll be back in touch for sure. I've loved everything that you've had to say, and most importantly, a hallmark of what I do is uh, data driven uh, decision data driven. Concepts, And I love the fact that you're really steeped in research and you absolutely know what you're talking about. So if you're having these issues, which everybody does, I suggest you get a hold of Bruce and talk to his team. So thanks for being with us, Bruce.
3: Well, thank you so much. It's an honor to be on the show with you.
2: So I'm uh, in Dubai at the moment, and I am uh, wow. recording this from Dubai and it was so interesting because one of the one of the things that we're looking at are the 10 factors that are really shaping the 21st century workplace and one of them is demographics and that was one of the reasons why i was so passionate about having bruce on the show because i think that we're not really thinking as clearly as he's laying out some of the issues and how we really deal with them as 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 he is doing but you know, Dubai is a fascinating place because there are more than only in one company alone that I'm doing some work around execution with. They have 29 different nationalities, and the average age of their workforce is 28. So you know, it really shapes a whole different dynamic of how they lead uh, with this group. So it's been a fascinating experience. Uh, I was just the keynote speaker at the Americans of uh, the. Arabic Society for Human Resource Management. And it was a great insight to see uh, what some of the issues are. And what's so fabulous being in a place that's really only about 20 years old is that they don't have to deal with all the legacy stuff that we have, even though, you know, we're, we're The the Western world has got a lot of great experiences. You know, we kind of came up moving through the industrial age, developed a lot of human resource practices, tactics, tactics, experiences. But some of those are not going to work in the 21st century. And we have to be willing to let go of some of that legacy stuff, which is my message to people that are in the human resource field. What are the practices that are really going to make a difference for the workforce that you have now and going forward. We're going to be spending the next month talking about these issues, um, and we're going to be bringing in quite a number of people, somebody from PwC who's on the Future of Work Council, looking at where work is expanding, more people from technology talking about how technology is really going to disrupt significantly A lot of how work is done and a lot of businesses that we just took for granted that just simply are not going to be here in the next, frankly, three years. So thanks for joining my show. I'm so excited to have the listenership that I do, and I just so greatly appreciate it. Please send me an email, a note, tweet me uh, if you want to hear something specific on the show. I'd love to make that happen. So thanks again.
1: Thank you for listening to this week's edition of I Lead, The Leadership Connection. Please join Dr. Linda Sharkey again for another show next Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a successful week.